the Smiley J Artist Zone, a platform for and about independent artists, music, interviews, and much, much more. Now, give it up, your host, Smiley J. Welcome to the Smiley J Artist Zone, a platform dedicated to music creators and comedians. I'm your show host, Smiley J, and I want to welcome everyone to today's show. And I'm, I'm so glad you guys are hanging out with me today, you know, because you've been doing a lot of other things, but you chose to tune in to me. And you know what? And for that, I am grateful. You know what? As a matter of fact, if today is your very first time listening to the show, Welcome, welcome. You know, drop me some comments and let me know, you know, where you're listening from. I'm glad that you are here. Just don't make this one and done. Make sure you come back and listen to me again. You can catch me every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can listen on your favorite podcast platform. I am in all of the all of the directories, Apple, Amazon, Pandora, iHeart. Now, wherever you choose to listen, just make sure you hit the follow button, okay? Now, today I have a great show for you. Hanging out with me in the artist zone is the funny lady herself, Miss Alicia Cooper. Now, someone uh, recently asked me, why, you know, why are you featuring comedians? Why are you adding comedians to your show? Uh, first of all, it's my show. But I said, do you like music? They said, yes. I said, do you like to laugh? They said, oh, yeah. I said, now, can you live without either music or laughter? And they said, uh, no, I can't. And I said, boom, there you have it. There's your answer. Life would be so freaking boring without music and laughter. Don't y'all agree? Now, I can't see you, but I know that y'all agreeing and y'all nodding your head, okay? Now, let me go ahead and bring out today's guest. But before I bring her on, let me just tell you a little bit about her. Alicia Cooper is an actress, a comic, writer, producer, and director. She loves and embraces each skill equally. Alicia is also the recipient of the Directors Guild of America Award, the DGA. She has toured over 20 countries performing for our men and women in uniform. And as of date, she has released six comedy albums. Now, if y'all don't know Alicia by now, you will know her by the end of this show. Alicia is just beginning to scratch the surface of where she's going. So you guys, you know, help me welcome the lovely and multi-talented Miss Alicia Cooper. Greetings, Alicia. How you doing? Welcome to the Smiley J Artist Zone. How are you? I'm so good, Smiley. How are you? I'm doing well. I, you know what? I am so happy to have you here today. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. It's been a few years now. Yes, and you're doing a daggone thing now. The last time I saw you was here in the D.C. area. I think it was in like 2019 in Bowie. You mm -hmm, and three mm -hmm. other women. Yes, I did an all-female comedy show in 2019, and I think that may have been the last show that I've done in Maryland, actually, and it was so much fun, and we got to promote it. I was on um, the Fox Morning News, I was on the CBS Morning News, and they really looked out for a hometown girl, and that was a great show. The entire lineup was fire. It was fun. Now, do you keep in touch with any of the girls? I keep in touch with all of them, yes. You know, of course, everybody's individually busy, but, you know, mm -hmm. we're... we're we can even reach out on Instagram. We reach out on Facebook. We reach out however we can. And, um, yeah, we, we, we stay in touch. None of us are talking every day, every week, but we, yeah. you know, we, we keep in touch. 
Well, that was a lot of fun. And you know, it's been a while. So, you know, you got to come back home. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm coming in actually March of 2022. I'm working with a comic named Craig Shoemaker at the Arlington Draft House. Oh, wonderful. So I know where that is. Out. Yes, ma'am. I'm definitely going to have to check you out. Now, you were back home a few months ago, but it seemed like you were kind of in and out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always in and out. I got a, a, a property back there that, you know, you have to deal with things with your tenants and then when tenants oh, move yeah. out and... You know, so I come home for a lot of reasons that have nothing to do with the entertainment industry. Just coming home to visit my family, too. Sometimes I just come home, visit my family, and bounce back. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I pop in and out when, when my schedule allows me to. Okay, okay. Well, as you know, being a homegirl, you know D.C. has a lot of great comedians. Yes, yes. Now, and we're actually, I just came back to do a documentary on D.C. comics. Yes. Um, I sat down and shot my interviews for that. And, and uh, that should come out uh, sometime in 2022, um, this documentary that a guy is doing. Um, yes, about I heard the, all about it. Yeah. Comedy scene. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fire. I'm looking forward to that. I got a little sneak preview, just a little snippet. So I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> now, now, listen, I know this is a hard question, but I got to ask because that's what I do. Okay. Now, do you have okay. uh, any favorite DC comedians? Favorite DC comedians? I do. I love my girl Dominique. She's out of mm-hmm. DC. Um, Red Grant is funny to me. Uh, mm-hmm. Eddie Bryant, <laughs> you know, Eddie's, Eddie's funny. There's so many, though. You know, I don't want to offend anybody by not mentioning them, but I can't mention all the hilarious. I know, I know. Uh, uh, L.O., Lawrence Owens, he's out there. There's so many, so many up-and-comers. We got Adela Banks, and, you know, it's it's, it's a lot of fire comedians in D.C., some you heard of and some you haven't. Yes, yes, and, you you know, you're part of that circle, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got old Mike B. We got uh, Tommy Taylor, Jr., we got mm-hmm. uh, 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 Greg Stevens. It's so many of them. Rudy is a, a bunch of them. You know what? I knew that we had a lot of comedians in the DMV area. I did not realize it was like so many. Yes, yes, yes. And Martin's back with his lit AF tour. And, you know, Martin, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love me some Martin. One thing about Martin Lawrence, when he comes out on stage, hasn't even opened his mouth yet, but he's opening music and he walks out. He walks out to a standing ovation. Yeah, love Martin Lawrence. Like when you get off your feet for somebody and they haven't even said one word, you love them. <laughs> yes, that's that's major love. You know, and we grew up with Martin. You know that he was a part of most of our life, especially in the nineties. Yes, yes. So um, let's talk about you, ma'am. Now you got the bug for comedy like at a young age. Then I heard you always had a slick little mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, of course. Now, 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 I've heard that you once got put out of the house for being smart mouth. Oh, now, no, 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 that wasn't me. That was my cousin, Karen. Oh, that wasn't you. What, that was Karen. Yeah, what happened was my love of comedy was really fostered by my cousin, Karen, who was nine years older than me. Mm-hmm. And what happened was my cousin, Karen, was always sassy, you know, and her mother wasn't going to put up with it for but so much. You know, and um, she was, I think Karen probably started smoking cigarettes when she was like about 14, 15. And, you know, Karen was just a, just a monster to beat her own drummer. But her mother put her out and my mother took her in and I'm eight and she's 17. Uh-oh. And I'm learning everything from her. I'm, I'm sounding like a mini Karen. My mom's just as smart as hers now. <laughs> and she watched every comedian ever known a man. So I'm watching... First of all, I'm listening to Millie Jackson. Uh-oh. We sneaking in the basement, listening to Millie Jackson. Well, I'm listening to Richard Pryor. 
you know, uh, just all the people that uh, were were out of my were, were not age appropriate for me, <laughs> more closer to her age appropriateness than mine. But I'm listening to everything she's listening to. And then as I got older, I would watch the comedy shows with her. And I, I knew about comics like Judy Tenuta and mm-hmm. Rita Rudner and uh, 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 Gallagher and Roseanne. And I'm watching all these comics with her. Um, Arsenio, uh, 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 you know, the, the mainstream acts that were coming up next. You know, George Carlin. I'm just watching. And I didn't realize that I was fostering a little Marsha Warfield. Yeah, I, I, was oh, I forgot about her for comedy. Yeah, and then we went to see DC Cab when Marsha and them came mm-hmm. down to DC to film that movie, and and Charlie Barnett, and didn't realize that right then a comedy bug was being sewn into me as a small kid that I didn't even realize I had. But I knew my whole family was funny. My cousin Karen was funny, and part <laughs> of her being funny was she was so intelligent. You know, my cousin read a book a day. You know, so she just was a voracious reader, hilarious, smart. Any test she took, she didn't have to study for it. And the, the lowest grade she would get on the test is a B, and she wouldn't even have to study for the test. So, okay, so um, she, she, just, she just had it. Okay, so she was sassy and smart, my kind of girl. Oh, <laughs> yeah, she was smart as a whip, you know. So, you know, and that's who I grew up under and grew up idolizing was my cousin Karen, and she fostered my love of stand-up. Now, I mean, that explains you, you, you've always had an old soul for, for comedy because I mean, listening Mm -hmm. to folks like Richard, um, Richard Pryor, Red Fox, and, uh, like Mm -hmm. George Collin, who was known for his Mm -hmm. political pokes at the government. Now, Mm -hmm. at the time, Mm -hmm. did you understand like some of the storytelling from these guys? Cause you were so independent. Yeah, depending on what kind of stories they were telling. Like Eddie Murphy, because he's talking about his family, Aunt Bunny with the beard and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Even little kids could visualize what he was talking about. And Aunt Bunny falling down the stairs and all that stuff. So depending on what the story was, um, you know, I could I didn't understand George Carlin's rants about the government and all that stuff because <laughs> I was too young. Like, you really don't get, get George Carlin until you start paying your own bills. That, but, you know uh, what? But you, but you know he's funny, <laughs> and he was brilliant, very brilliant. And he was brilliant, yeah. But he was he was over my head. But the other ones, I could really understand what they were saying, you know. And and some of them, you know, were just so brilliant. Like Franklin Ajay, that mm-hmm. man is so brilliant that you just listen to his voice and the way he puts stuff. Like he would say stuff. Like he was like, "Yeah, black man, and we can't do the same kind of stuff a white man can do. We can't take no hair from over here and pull it over there." You know, so again, I had a school teacher that had that big bald son of his head and he would take a couple strands and try to wrap, wrap it over to the other side. I'm like, "Sir, you got a whole bald son of strands over top of it." So Franklin would tell jokes that they were visual and kids could even understand because we know that school teacher. Right, right. White and trying to pull hair from the left over to the right, like a, a bang in the middle of his head. You know, so and that's uh, just black crazy. guys can't do that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. Black guys can't. You ain't gonna see Sherman Hemsley with that bald <laughs> head being able to pull nothing from the left to the right. So it's like certain <laughs> comics just had you laughing and you could relate to what they were talking about. Now, now speaking of that, the 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 
did you uh did you join on kids in school? Were you a good joiner? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, growing up in the DC, the DMV now they call it. Growing up in that area, you had to know how to join for survival. That's right. So yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you just gonna be looking real sad while they tan you up. And it actually was a blessing because it helped you with your creativity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely got had to have some clap back. I mean, nowadays, you know, you get Joan on, you might cry, and you you consider that being bullied. But you know, we had to clap back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We you had to, and actually, it wasn't that bad. We didn't even really know the word bullying. We took bullying as somebody physically hitting you, right? Like right. that's how we described our bullies, like the person that would lay hands on somebody else. <laughs> we didn't really call verbal sparring bullying. Right, you know, we right. Were, if you, as long as you ain't touching me, I'm all right. But as yeah. soon as you start touching me, now you've gone to the bully status. You know, but other than that, it's just verbal verbal jabbing at each other. We like That's to say right. we called it joning. It was a difference in joning and bullying as we were, as we were concerned. You didn't get the bully label until you put your hands on somebody Exactly, else. exactly. We, we, we need to revise <laughs> We need yeah, to revise remember, that for the school board. The movie, um, yeah, remember the movie, um, uh, 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 what was it, um, with Michael J. Fox, uh, where he went back in time. Oh, uh, go, going to the future, come to the, something about the, back, back to, to the, the future. future. Yeah. Yes. Remember back to the future, Biff was bullying his father. Yes. Biff would be beating his father. <laughs> That's what we consider bullying. Yes. Somebody beating yes. you up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That is so true. I'm so glad you made the distinction, especially for uh, my younger listeners. Uh, you know, being Joan on is not considered bullying. You just got to get some clap back. <laughs> yeah, go go work on your go work on your witty retorts. There you go. There you go. Now, Alicia, you are no stranger to hard work. I mean, you interned at BET right here in DC, um, but there was a hit TV show that you kind of fell in love with. And uh, I think it kind of put some spark into your producing. What what show was that? Um, I fell in love with living single in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, right after I had been watching the Golden Girls, and and they those shows have similar setups. You know, yes. they all have four characters, and each character is different. You got the the one that's supposed to be a little brain dead, which both of them had. <laughs> you got the one that's a hoe which both of them had. You got the one that's, you know, just give it, give it to you straight, no chaser, which the other one had. Then you got, which was like, it was like, like basically uh, Blanche and Sinclair were the same uh-huh. character. You know, ding, then you got yeah. did a little ding bass. Then the holes was <laughs> Regine and Blanche, Blanche, you know, Rose and Sinclair were the, the ding bats. Blanche and, 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 um, and Regine were the holes. Then, then Queen Latifah's character, Khadija, was just like the Maud, the uh, character that B. Arthur played. Uh-huh, the strong Remember, personality. Uh, yeah. The strong personality. Then you had Maxine. She was more like the mama, uh, 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 Blanche's mom, you know, uh, uh, Dorothy's mother. You know, where they give it to you with no medicine. You know what I'm saying? No, you so, know. I, that's what I, they call four-point opposition. And that's the reason why I love both of those shows so much, because the way you know a show is properly set up with a four point opposition is somebody can tell you a line and you can tell them which character would have recited. Wow. Okay. That's when you know you got it set up properly. And I fell in love with living single because that was a show I could relate to. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, you know what? Thank you for explaining that. I didn't realize the, the similarities to both shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. you know what? The cards seem to have aligned nicely for you for preparedness of where you are today with directing. Yeah. So yeah. speaking of director, let's talk about your films. You have a few, <laughs> you have a few under your belt. And let me just say, I enjoy watching them. I truly did. So I'm, you know, so folks, you guys gotta make sure you check them out. So let's talk about the first film, Trade. Oh my gosh. Okay. Ooh, yes, I didn't yes. see that coming. But <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Trade uh was okay. So this is the thing. When you do stand-up comedy and you want to do it the right way, you, for me anyway, I started doing a lot of research on the art form. Then I started talking to people who were already doing it successfully at a high level so mm-hmm. that I can get their opinion on the best way to attack this game and pick their brain. So when I first started, I was talking to Monique because I was working on the Parkers and she mm-hmm. was doing a show in Oakland. And me and my friend Sherry, we worked on the park because we were going to go to Oakland. And Steve, Monique's brother slash manager at the time, he said, I'm not going to use my hotel room. You ladies can stay in my room. So we said, okay, we're going to go ahead down to Oakland. So we flew to Oakland. When we got there, we checked into Steve's room because it was available. And then um, they were doing a show that week. And it was a huge show, a huge at an outdoor theater. And then I jumped in the limo with Monique. Because she was going to the show and she let me get in the limo. So while I'm sitting in there with her, I started asking her questions. So Smart. I said, Monique, I said, um, I said what, what's the best advice you could give to a new comic? And Monique said, get half of your money before you leave the house. <laughs> the closet, and get yes. half before you open your mouth to do the show. She said, because after you've done the show, they're going to have all these excuses about why they don't have your money and you can't do nothing about it. They got the show out of you. And I said, oh, that makes sense. Now, anytime I didn't listen to her, I got burned. And she Wow. Wow. So I talked to Cheryl Underwood Mm because I used to produce for BET. And I would see Cheryl Underwood all the time as as a guest on our shows. And I said, Cheryl, I'm a new comic. What advice do you give to new comedians? And Cheryl said, whatever you do, do not start out blue. She said, that's Mm -hmm. the mistake I made. I started out blue. You can never get this vulgar, dirty blue label from wrapped around your throat. Mm-hmm. And you will miss out on a lot of opportunities because they'll even if you change, they will still keep you there. Yeah. So she said, start out clean, and then you can go dirty later if you want to. Got it. So, okay. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, even Bill Cosby, he said, clean makes more money than dirty any day. Mm. And he was right. Look at how much money he done made from the Cosby Show. Clean yeah. comedy gave him a clean sitcom, and Ooh, then he done made eight hundred million dollars. So wow. you can be but blue ain't never gonna make as much money. Blue can make a lot of money, but blue uh-huh. ain't gonna make as much money as clean. Wow, and, I mean, you interesting. Can Jerry Seinfeld signed a hundred million dollar deals because he was clean. So um, you don't have to be clean, but they're just saying these are the these are the things that I've observed. Right, so, uh, right. And then, and then I talked to another girl who said. You never want to sound like anybody else in your comedy. You want to sound like you're a unique, fresh, new voice. You don't want anybody to listen to you and say, you remind me of X, Y, and Z. You want to be fresh and new and don't remind them of nobody else. And so I said, okay, so that's why you should never steal jokes. For all Mm -hmm. these comedians trying to cut the line and, 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 and catapult to the front by using other people's tried and true material, you get caught 
that you already sound like somebody else. You're unoriginal. Everybody already know who you stole from. And, and, it, and it hurts you. Nobody wants to work with you if you get the joke thief label wrapped around you either. So these are all the things that I learned early on. So now the way I took that over to my filmmaking and my writing, because I wanted to direct, but I knew that not having directed, nobody's going to give me that shot. They'll give white males a shot to direct all day and night, having never yes. directed anything. But for us, we got to, we got, it's a harder road. So I said, I'm only going to be able to direct Always. things I write. I said, I'm going to have to write it and then direct it. So, and I wasn't really interested in writing right off the bat. I really just wanted to direct, but I knew nobody would give me that shot. So I said, okay. I said, well, if you're going to write something, it's got to be something that nobody's ever seen before. Just like with your comedy, you want to be a fresh voice. You also want to be a fresh voice in filmmaking. So I said, what is it that you have not seen really touched upon in movies? (laughs) And I said, one thing I've never seen touched upon in a movie is what two men do in prison. Wow. Sexually. Sexually. Because mm-hmm. you we just seen a ton of prison movies. It's always fighting and you go right. eat your cornbread. <laughs> but them guys are having sex. I don't know why we act like the prison. It doesn't done. happen. Yeah. I'm like, they going in there. They horny. They penises rise in the morning too. <laughs> just like a man's penis on the outside. They rise right. in the morning too. And they need so a relief. And they gonna find a relief, and it don't matter if it's your mouth, your underarm, your they gonna stick it somewhere. But see, so I'm like, why are we acting like there's no sex being had in prison? Right, we just kind of ignore it and assume that okay, you know, my, my man ain't participating in that kind of behavior. Yeah, my uncle been in jail 20 years, but he ain't done nothing but jerk off. No, your uncle done did more than that in 20 years. <laughs> So, uh, you know, or when they show anything in prison, it's always a prison rape. You right. know, it's got, it can never be the man wanted it. You know what I'm saying? So That's I'm a good like, point. That is a good point. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, so I said, I'm going to do a, I want to do a broke back mountain with two <laughs> black men prison style. Yes. That means I'm saying so that was the catalyst for why I sat down and started, started writing this. And I wanted to write it as a feature which mm-hmm. means 90 pages or more. But I knew I wouldn't be able to scrounge up enough money to shoot it as a feature. So I said, well, just write it as a short, which it ended up being like 30 pages. And it ballooned up a little bit more when people that was giving me money wanted to put their two cents in. But mm-hmm. when I wrote it, it was almost 30 pages. And I was like, okay, now I have a short film. Now I got to figure out how to scrounge up the money to shoot this short film. And that was how it happened. I shot it as a short in hopes of getting the money to make it a feature. Because it really is a feature because I wanted to show the progression of a relationship over time, which I couldn't do in the half hour that I had for the short film. But, Mm -hmm. you know, with the little bit of time that I had, I was still able to convey what I was trying to convey. I just know it could have been better as a feature. Yes, yes. Well, you know, I don't want to give it away. I want my audience to go and check it out. Check out all of your films. You know, I I was in here dying uh, watching Fat Stripper. (laughs) Oh, oh, Sweet Cheeks. Well, I'm going to leave that alone. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It it made my whole entire... I was having a moment, and watching that just really lifted my spirits. (laughs) Well, thank you. I, I shot two films during the pandemic because I was in here going crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is way too much free time. Don't nobody need this much free time. You know, so after uh, the first month I slept during the pandemic, I didn't realize I was that tired. 
But yeah. I literally slept the whole first month because this I felt like the pandemic was the Lord's way of saying, y'all need to slow down. Yes. Because it was. People were just running, 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 running. Nobody was paying attention to their kids. You know, some some parents had was forced to sit there and look at their children. They was like, oh, I didn't know you had two eyes and a mouth. <laughs> like, they really had to sit there and look at these kids in the face. You know, and, and couldn't, couldn't go nowhere. That was the Lord saying, tend to your family. You know, slow down, y'all. Yes. <laughs> slow down, have, y'all. Sit down and eat dinner and have conversation. Have yes. conversations. Cook a meal. Mm-hmm. You know, so we was all forced. So I was, after a while, I started getting stir crazy. You'd have thought I was on a cruise ship and couldn't <laughs> get off. That's how I was acting. So I, I wrote two more short films in that time period, and I shot both of them with the same crew. Nice. So I think we did two of them in two in three weeks. Well, Didn't see, you you, you use your time wisely in between all yeah. that sleeping. Yeah, yeah. When I woke up, I had to get it together. So I did one that was called Just Us. It's a play on the word uh-huh. justice about the injustice system. Yes. And how um people have got that have gotten away with heinous crimes against African Americans have gone on to have great lives and have oh. jobs where they uh basically control what we can and cannot do. They have powerful positions. Yes. You know, so Just Us was about a guy who did something heinous and has a powerful position and how he had to, he had, he was forced to come to terms with what he did and, and deal with it. You know, so that was the catalyst behind that. And then, then I wanted to do something lighter because the first two were pretty heavy mm-hmm. and I wanted to do a comedy. And then because I'm working with a limited budget, I said, well, you have to be the lead. I couldn't even afford to pay another actor. <laughs> but so, it worked. It worked. <laughs> and let me tell you, it is a lot of work directing something you're starring in because you can't be in front of the camera and behind the scenes mm-hmm. at the same time. So after every every scene, I got to jump behind the camera and play it back and watch it to see wow. if it turned out right. Then I got to go back and to get back into character, jump back in front of wow. the camera, and then remember my lines and say action. You know, so it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. But I enjoy Fat Stripper. Fat Stripper actually morphed into something else, which is the beauty of creating because I had um I had to do my my uh my rehearsals on Zoom. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas without this, you could usually do your rehearsals in person. So uh we had to do our rehearsals over Zoom, and while I had my acting coach on the Zoom coaching the actors and giving notes and feedback. He says something during the uh, rehearsal. He he gave me and Speedy a uh, a, a background, and he was like, "Okay, so y'all used to date." Now I hadn't even thought about it like wow. that. Wow! So wait a minute. My okay. Acting coach said that in the rehearsal, it changed how I even looked at the script, and it turned it into a romantic comedy. At first, it was just a comedy. Yes. But then it became a romantic comedy, which gave us that last scene where we Mm -hmm. got to flirt with each other more. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Okay. Got it. And it's not a lot of plus-sized rom-coms that's being made. So, you know, I really like the fact that in in Fast Stripper, I'm going to write that as a feature, too, and going to have all the baddest plus-sized women on the planet in in the feature. Look so at that. Lizzo and everybody in, in, the, in the big one. That's oh, the big look, one. Lizzo live for that. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. 
So listen, I know we got a little bit of time. I just, I have to shout this out. And then you briefly, uh, tell us briefly about your directorial TV episode, um, Intersection. Like, uh, you wrote like episode five or was it six? Episode, um, episode five? It was episode five of six. It was a oh, six okay. episode series mm-hmm. and I did episode five of six. And um, that came to be because I'm in this director's group and uh, uh, one young lady was on there and she said she's looking for a director for her series in Atlanta. And I sent my resume and she didn't realize, she was like, oh, I love your resume. I love the stuff on your reel. I love the things you've already directed. Would love to have you. Um, I'm going to send you the six scripts and you can pick which one you'd like to shoot. And uh, But she didn't know that I didn't live in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And so I said, oh, yeah, I said, that's not a problem. I said, I'll fly myself out and I'll put myself up. I just want the opportunity to direct more. And so um, so I flew to Atlanta in March and uh, we, I went over the shot list with her and the DP and another guy who knows gentrification in Atlanta really well because that's what it was about, mm-hmm. about white people coming to gentrify these areas in Atlanta. And I love what she did with it. Her writing team consisted of six people. There were three black women and three white women. And when they would come up with an idea, the white women would write the white voices and the black women would write the black voices. And that's why it sounded so authentic. Okay. And so I loved it. So I flew down there and I shot episode five in Atlanta and had a really good time um, working with this. The actors were so great, as you saw. And Mm -hmm. um, the story was it was written well. And um, I really I, I felt blessed to even be a part of it. And she's hoping that she can get more from this. And that we can, you know, get a budget and do more. But yeah, I wanted to do that because that was considered television. With yes. the other three things I had done were film. And I wanted more. Um, I wanted to diversify my my directing portfolio. Well, you're doing a daggone thing. And keep doing it. I'm watching you. And you know what? I'm supporting you. And listen, you know, this platform is dedicated to musicians and artists and comedians. So I have to ask you before you go. What music are you listening to these days? What's in your playlist? I'm listening to, of course, Bruno Mars. Okay. All <laughs> that right. on Bruno. He got yes. it. He got it. He, got, he feels like a throwback, you know? Yes. Um, and I love uh, uh, I love um, original stuff, and I love, you know, real bands. Mm-hmm. You know, so I love the fact that he has a band, and he's playing real instruments, and they're rocking out. So Bruno Mars had okay. me a hello. I love Adele. You know, Adele's uh-huh. new album just came out. I love her first single, Go Easy. Mm-hmm. You know, Easy On Me. I love that. Adele um, is just a great writer. You know, she reminds me of how, I mean, you know, she and Mariah, of course, are different, but mm-hmm. they both write their hits and they write for their vo- their vocals and they write, they know themselves so well that they're, they're t- the things they write for themselves are just, that's why Mariah has so many number ones and why Adele has so many number ones. They write very well for themselves and they're very vulnerable in their music. I like, yeah, yeah. And I like how Adele took a sabbatical and came back and boom. I mean, she's still. Yes. So she's got a good team though. Yeah, she has a great team. Love it. And uh, Dayton, uh, the guy who runs LeBron James. I know it. I said, okay. uh, She ain't waste no time, dish. Well, you know, everybody like a little chocolate. So, you know. (laughs) 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 So. <laughs> Even Adele. Okay. All right. Now wait, wait. Now being a homegirl, who's your favorite go-go band? EU. Okay. Ow. Oh, in the butt. Oh, <laughs> in the butt. 
Then I like junkyard. Uh huh. Okay. So yeah, 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 yeah. Love me some junkyard. You know, it's it's you know, I, I mean, you know, we love them all. Mm-hmm. You know, we love them all, but you know, and then Chuck Brown, that's the oh, Godfather. Yeah. Yes, yes. You know, gotta get some Chuck in there. Chuck, baby, don't give up. Uh-uh. You know, so we got to get Chuck in there. And what I liked about Chuck was his sound evolved as the times evolved. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. You know, you know, you know some know. older acts can't evolve with the times. Oh, no, they stuck. You know, they stuck, <laughs> but he evolved with the times. And, yes. Um, you know, he, he, felt, he felt youthful all the way mm-hmm. to the end. So, you know, love so, me some Chuck Brown. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well, well listen, Alicia, I want to thank you for stopping by and hanging with me in the Artist Zone. Now, before you go, you got to tell my listeners where they can find your, where they can follow you and also where they can check out your films, your short films. Yes. Okay. So you can find me um, on Instagram at Alicia Cooper 2, A-L-Y-C-I-A-C-O-O-P-E-R and the number two. You can find me on, uh, if you go to Facebook, just type in Alicia Cooper fan page and click like on that. And um, and you can see the films that we've discussed here today on my website, aliciacooper.net. All the films are there in their entirety, and the television episodic of Intersection is there. So you can see everything. And then leave, leave feedback on what you thought about what you saw. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you again for taking time out of your oh-so-busy schedule to hang out with a homegirl. I appreciate it. Much success and love to you. Oh, thank you for having me, Smiling. You have a great week. You too. Peace. Hello. Oh, my gosh, that was so much fun. But you know what? All good things come to an end, and I appreciate you guys for hanging out with me today to the very end. Special thanks to today's guest, AC, Miss Alicia Cooper. Be sure to follow Alicia on all of her social media pages because she has a lot of good stuff going on, and I don't want you guys to miss out on any of it. And also check out her films that she directed. Yes, Trade, Just Us, Fat Stripper. And um, you know what? She also directed uh, episode five of an independent TV series called Intersection. So, you know, you guys got some work to do. Check it out. You will not be disappointed. Until next time, I'm going to need you guys to uh, laugh often. It's going to help you thrive and survive out here in these streets. And remember to listen to good music. Your ears will thank you for it. Until next time, be well and stay safe. I'm Smiley J, and I'm out. Uh